Welcome to Living in the Stacks, the monthly podcast where we curl up with a good book and discuss what we thought of it. I'm Dex. I'm John. I'm Melody. And I'm Max. Hi, welcome to July, I guess. July? Uh, yeah, this is going to be July. July. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but yeah, uh, and we're going to keep... Uh, Ideally, this probably would have been for June, yeah. given the subject matter, but yeah, this fuck book. that. Fuck that, just keeping pride to June. We're, we're <laughs> in wrath month. Hey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah right. So this is going to be a very, very queer discussion. Yes. First of all, does anybody among the, 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 the hosts have a problem with the word queer? No. 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 Okay. I know sometimes it can be divisive in the community, so... I apologize in advance to anybody listening that has a problem with the word queer. I personally use it being a queer individual myself. Uh, so. I think we're good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, the content warning. I use the word queer. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on Tumblr a lot. And people <laughs> are like, queer's bad, queer's bad, queer's good. Uh. Anyways. So. We read... Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda this time. And uh, last year it was uh, adapted into the movie Love, Simon. Um, So, uh, actually, John, you were the one who suggested that that I do this. Yeah, um, I mainly suggested it because I, you know, I fit, well, you were looking for, you weren't sure which books to pick. Uh, so you were, like, short on, like, ideas, so I was, like, throwing stuff out, and I was like, well, we, there was this, uh, book that inspired this movie I really liked, which has, this book has actually kind of changed my view of the movie, um, because well, I as lo- all good books should. Yeah, <laughs> I loved the, I loved the movie so much when I watched it, and now reading what was actually, what actually happened, essentially, in the original story, I'm like, oh, you bastards, you, you... You made it so much easier, but I still have so I still have thoughts I'll pepper in throughout the discussion. But I suggested this to uh, you as one of the books to put on the the schedule, and you were like, "Yeah, sure." And yeah, I, you know I love a good uh, LGBT book, and there's only been a, a handful of books that we've done on this podcast that I felt moved to go and actually buy a copy of the book myself. Mm-hmm. One of them was Lamb. One of them was uh, um, the Alice Network, and most recently is Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda. Because while I was reading it on my phone, I was highlighting something probably every other page. Mm-hmm. You know, there was just so much in this book that just spoke to me on a kind of deep personal level. But we'll get to that. So first off. I actually came prepared this time. Hooray! <laughs> we did the thing. You know, I'm not. I was never good at book reports, so. Uh, so starting off with the author bio, uh, this book was written by uh, Becky Albertalli. I hope I'm saying that right. Should be. That's um, the way they said it in the audio book. Okay, that works. Um. She was born in November of 1982, which I believe 
makes her the youngest author that we've read thus far. Probably. If, um... Wasn't the person who did the one that was a NaNoWriMo book? Oh, right. The, uh, the Night Circus. Yeah, I think oh, she's kind of she young. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah, one of the youngest. Yeah, there's, a, there's a couple younger one. Folks. Yeah, one of the youngest. And she's relatively new to the literary scene. Uh, Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda, which I'm just going to call Simon from here on out because yeah. it's a lot of words. Yep. Um, That's why they shortened it to Love Simon right. for the movie. <laughs> right. Um, Simon is was her uh, first kind of published work at in 2015. So she's only been on the scene for four years at this point. But already, like, she's won... A uh, couple of words like uh, Simon. Uh, she got a war. Uh, fuck me. Okay. In 2015, she won the American Li- Library Association's William C. Morris Award. Um, and in 2017, she won the German Youth Literary Prize, uh, both of which were for Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. Um. And then she also has a few other works. Leah on the Offbeat, which is a sequel to uh, Simon, and it uh, follows one of Simon's best friends. Um, the Upside of Unrequited, What If It's Us. Um, so her, her, her genre kind of covers young adult fiction, which, I, honestly, I was one of the first things that kind of surprised me when I was reading this was how... Liberally, she peppered in the word fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, so her genre is like young adult fiction, LGBT, coming of age, romance, that sort of thing, which I think is very well uh, showcased in this book. Um, So, let's see. Oh, I looked it up because... I didn't want it to be unresolved, but Aaron Morgan turns 41. It was Lauren Oliver, the author of Rooms, who is the, the young-o. Um, okay. <laughs> so she's the same age as Becky. Okay. Okay. So we have two, you know... Gen Xers. Yeah. Um, so there's not, like, I went on, like, Becky's Wikipedia page... And since she's a relatively new uh, author, there's not a whole lot on her. But um, it did say that like she studied psychology at Wesleyan University, and then um, got her doctorates in psychology. And she worked as a psychologist for it didn't give an exact number of years, but until her first son was born in 2012, at which point she was like, huh, I'm going to try writing a novel. So, um, and I, I think like she, uh, kind of reflects her psychology background through the character of Simon's mom, Mm -hmm. which made it, that made a lot of sense when I read that she was a psychologist, like, oh yeah, Simon's mom is a child psychologist. Um, 
in the story. So, um, but yeah. Which which wasn't like heavily relied upon in terms of like his relationship with his parents. I kind of appreciate that. Yeah. Because because normally you get that kind of that kind of character note, and it's like, oh, that's gonna be their one character note. Yeah. No, I, 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 yeah. So yeah, that's that's. Sorry, There's my, not my dog is her, scratching but... at my door. <laughs> Mom, yes. let me in. Let me in. Hey. Um. Yeah. Okay. So. Was there anything else about her that not, we, that, not really. that was relevant? Not really. Like I said, um. There's not a whole lot about her, at least, like, on the Wikipedia page. Um, like, you know, some authors, they'll go on forever and ever and ever about every small aspect of their life. Her, uh, her personal life section of her bio was literally two paragraphs. Good. So, yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty much all I got. Well, the other thing is that Wikipedia requires citations for a lot of things now. The moderators want to make it a legit site. so that's if you good. And you can't just be yourself uploading that information. You have to have, like, actual sources to cite for that stuff. Be like, this author likes Puppet. strawberry ice cream. <laughs> Set, where, where's, the, where's the source? I am the I source. I am literally this author. <laughs> no, you gotta show me. Haven't you tried it? It's fucking delicious. <laughs> uh, I remember that from uh, Aaron Hansen uh, was talking about that when he there was a bit where like I think last year or the year before they needed filler episode for Game Grumps and he and uh, Dan was out of town so he decided to just look him uh, look up his Wikipedia page and point out where all the inaccuracies were <laughs> and like he and he brought up how Sounds he like wanted to try and change thing. it. He tried. He wanted to try and bring it up to Wikipedia and uh, refute some claims, but he couldn't because it needed to be a third-party source mm. documenting it. <laughs> well, yeah, because anybody can claim that they're so and such a person, and even yes. then, their own like they can't. It'd be like say, you know having somebody claim that they're the best person in the world, but then you know documented evidence proves otherwise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway. So anyway, yeah, that's that's about it on the. Uh... Yeah, I think it. Uh, time to take a break. Yeah, yes. sure. Yeah. Let me go, while I go deal with this dog of mine. <laughs> All right. Greetings, Internet. I'm John Bailey, and if you like movies, you'll probably like the Popcorn Junkie Podcast. Every week, I review the movies that come out in theaters talk a little bit about what I've been watching on streaming, and give discussions on Hollywood and filmmaking in general. So if you want to join in the discussion, you can find me on GumbyCatNetworks.com slash popcorn dash junkie, or just search Popcorn Junkie and find my orange mug staring at the movies chomping on some popcorn, along with the Gumby Cat logo at the bottom for all the up-to-date podcasts in your podcast provider. back. We're back. <laughs> Hello. <clears throat> and we're back. 
<laughs> uh, so, Simon versus the Homo Sapiens agenda uh, opens with, you know, our, it, it, it's a first-person narrative where this, uh, this There's this teenager, guy. His name is Simon. There's this guy, <laughs> and his name is Simon. And it opens with him being blackmailed. Yeah, I did Shit. not expect that. That's a like that was a major plot point in the movie as well, but it like literally opens like with the first sentence. It's a weirdly subtle conversation. I almost don't notice I'm being blackmailed. <laughs> well then, the first two sentences. Okay, that's where this is. That's this how is you grab going. a reader, man. Mm-hmm. And like I don't like I knew that it was a a a, a um, LGBT book ahead of time because, like, John and I had discussed, d- discussed it based on seeing, uh, based on, uh, Love, Simon and all that. So I kind of knew that the blackmail was going to be something gay-related and immediately my hackles were up like, oh no, I've got to protect this poor child. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, like, like, in the movie... Martin is a is a douche, but they try to redeem him somewhat. Here, he's just an irredeemable pile of shit. Just no reason. He is a literal incel, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, that's one of my uh, discussion points that I wrote down. Is uh, Martin evil mastermind or a dumb horny boy? He is. He Both. is a little <laughs> douchey incel, trying to Mommy. manipulate. <laughs> I, I think that's a bit far. I think he's just, I mean, it's shitty what he did. And there's no excusing what he did. It was shitty. But I don't know if he's an incel. I think he's just a teen who doesn't true, know what the fuck true. he's like, doing. Incel, like, right. he doesn't go full on, like, all women are, are whores because mm-hmm. Abby won't like me. When, when was this yeah. published? 2015. Okay. Yeah. So, so just yeah. when incel was starting to, like, become a thing. Yeah. So I, or at least I, it started to define it, because I feel like those guys were always around. Right. Mm-hmm. Now um, there's just a, a word for it in a toxic subculture. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I, I think Martin, like, he's definitely got problems. He's described as, you know, the, the, the kind of dorky kid that gets picked on a lot, but kind of, like, quote, in a nice way. Mm-hmm. Like all the the cool kids pick on him, but they're laughing with him, not at him. He's kind of like class clown, mm, sort of. Right. But he just he, doesn't uh, know how to handle his emotions, man. He's a teenager. Yeah. He uh, he happens to log onto a computer after Simon, and Simon had left up his um, email conversation with his mysterious gay pen pal. Who was the best who, kind came, of who, who quietly came, who quietly came out to the school on their Tumblr page? Yeah. Um. So I think maybe in Martin's head he thought, well, someone like he's luck like Simon is lucky that I was the one who came after him and not someone else who might have taken this information and spread it immediately. So. He owes me for not immediately being a dick. Right. Because he doesn't And Simon can help me get the girl I like. Yeah. It's just, yeah, he, 
he is a total douchebag, even more so in the book than he is in the movie, where it's just like, it, it is played more, he is played less douchey, but, he, you know, he's still, he's still, like, he's, like, if they try to play it off as he really does try to, you know, be appealing to Abby in the movie, but he's not a, like, but by the end, it's almost like everything is kind of forgiven and he's just hanging around. Like, like he's, like he did it, like, I like it better that Simon Dunn never forgives him, really. Right. Because what he did was unforgivable. Because that's a douchey thing to do, and there's nothing you can really do to make up for that. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. That, that was... I do... Something interesting that I didn't realize... Uh, can I see the book for a second? Yeah, sure. Thankfully, Dex brought the book. I wanted to see something, because I listened to the audiobook. Um, okay, that's how it's spaced out. It, I, I was picturing, like... Like, the actual graphic design work of an email conversation huh. the way they read it out but it's just written in the text but <laughs> yeah, it's just, I was you know it's picturing still... like a windows screenshot not even like a current <laughs> windows screenshot i don't know why i was like thinking like oh like it's a, old like a and... windows 8 <laughs> yeah <laughs> or, old or outlook or, or it's like <laughs> no yeah. i was i was picturing yeah that was definitely picturing like the email conversations happening in a doctor uh Gmail window from 2015, <laughs> but um, but it, but I do like that alternating chapters up until um, towards the end when Simon finally comes is finally outed and um, is finally trying to actually meet up with Blue. Those alternating chapters are what the hell's going on right now and kind of relaying the conversation between Simon and Blue. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did like the, the setup of that. That, um, and then I also went and I read the, uh, um, they have the, the first emails at the back of, I don't know if it's in the back of the hard copy, but it was in the back of, uh, paperback, uh, the ebook that I read oh. where it has the, first emails between blue and uh jacques which is no it doesn't in this one it just goes it has the acknowledgments and then into okay yeah but it was actual like graphical layout email setup well no it's still the same like the way it is in the book it just went through and it had their first conversation. It was really kind of cute. Mm-hmm. They're, um, they're adorable. I, lo- I love the emails. Those they, are my favorite part. They really are. Um, so major themes that I noticed um, is like coming out is obviously one. Be- and there's there's the obvious way of like Blue and, and Simon are both like talking about their plans to, to, to come out as gay. Um, but but Simon also makes the, 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 the uh, comment that he feels like every time he makes any sort of change, he has to come out all over again. Because, um, like, he has to come out as a new person with that information, uh, uh, how did I put it? He has to introduce him, introduce himself to the to the universe all over again. 
Right. Um, I think he, uh, it, that's in the context of, like, his mom being overly, uh, interested in the fact that he's drinking coffee and, That's like, just growing up, man. Stuff like that just happens. Yeah. yeah. That's not unique to Simon or, or any kind of parental child relationship. Right. Plus there's yep. that whole thing where I didn't have it so much in my family, but there were certain places like my church. I felt like when I'd go there, I'd have to be the same person. Like I started this like sort of not surly, but I don't want to talk to anybody attitude. Like, oh, I'm quiet and mysterious and aloof mm-hmm. and Whenever I'd go to church, I would just be that person. I'm like, this kind of sucks. Like, that's not really who I am anymore. But I was doing it for so long. I feel like I have to. Or, like, at school, when you finally, like, if you graduated high school and then if you had the opportunity to go to college, that always felt like, wow, I can really reinvent myself and, you know, choose what I want to do now. I'm not held in. So it kind of felt like that. Like, you didn't have that opportunity to just do something different. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's why I feel like the the theme of coming out just underlies the whole thing, and it like it made you think that at least it made me think about like different instances where, like in our day to day lives, where we come out. Not you don't even have to be queer and have something that you're coming out about, like um. For me, I kind of had that same kind of nervous energy when I decided that I was done trying to have any sort of career in education. Like, my family had this sort of uh, image of me. Like, I had to, like, I had gone to school and studied education, and that's what I was going to do with my life. And I felt nervous telling my family, like, no, I'm, I'm not happy in the education field, I'm gonna go do something else. So that felt like a kind of coming out moment to me. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So. And I really the, think that sort of comparison um, would resonate a lot more. Like, I, I don't know if it was put there on purpose to make it resonate more with a straight audience reading this book who can't relate to the idea of having to come out about something. But I think that's a pretty universal feeling that everyone's had about something in their life. Like, you might not have to come out about your sexuality, but think about all these other things that you had to come out about that really sucked, you know, and you wanted that to be on your terms and you want to be able to create that moment. And I think it, I think her doing that makes it more of an accessible thing. Mm. Yeah. I, I really appreciated that about the narrative. And it also allows for anybody of any age to really grasp that as well. So while it's targeting, not targeting, but like geared towards younger readers, this way, no matter, they don't have to be part of the community or familiar with the community to really understand the idea of coming out. That it's a way that they can just ultimately understand it. Like, oh yeah, revealing this part about who you are, whether or not you'll be accepted for it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and going really along with that, um, Simon again mentions, and Blue does uh, at one point too, mentions the idea of a default. Like, why is straight the default? You know, why is it only 
gay kids that have to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe in the in the movie, isn't there a scene? It's it's a visualization of that conversation between Blue and Jacques, where it's like Jacques's the one uh, who makes the comment of, "I think straight kids should have to come out." And then it's all the straight friends, Abby, Nick, and Leah, coming out to their parents. And I think Abby's mom is the one that's like this. Uh, overwrought black mom crying. <laughs> it's um, but yeah, the whole th- and then it plays out like if the kids were coming out as gay, like the dad just gets up and leaves the table for think Nick's family or something. Yeah. So they definitely play up the whole like, oh well, have you tried not being straight? Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of the uh, emails between it's from Blue to Simon. Um, where they're talking about uh, Blue having tried to come out to his dad. Um, Blue says, straight people really should have to come out, and the more awkward it is, the better. Awkwardness should be a requirement. Mm -hmm. I guess that's sort of our version of the homosexual agenda. (laughs) (laughs) To which Simon replies, the homosexual agenda? I don't know. I think it's more like the homo sapiens agenda. That's really the point, right? Title drop. Yeah, right. We, we don't get the title till like he said it. over he said halfway it. through the book. He said it. He said the thing. <laughs> so, I, 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 I really kind of honed in on that. Um, Puberty that is awkwardness. Of, End of book. Right. The, the 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 theme of defaults, like why is straight white. Um, it's not mentioned, but neurotypical. Cis. Cis. Male. The default. Why is it that, like, that's the standard and everything else is different? And trying to include those other ones is like p- putting politics in our things. Why are you making this political move to include a black girl to be Ariel? Or making these other, you know, minority characters part of your video game? Quit pandering to my quit pandering and making it political instead of it just being like no that they're just all these different things there's all these different aspects we should include them in narratives they should be part of the stories yeah exactly and like simon himself even catches like simon catches himself in that um during the big reveal um where he realizes that bram this kid that he's you know, sat with that Spoiler lunch. alert, Blue is Bram. Right. <laughs> yep. Called it. Oh, you, we, when we started this podcast, we, we kind of put a blanket spoiler alert that <laughs> we're assuming our, our listeners have read the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is essentially an audio book club, so don't be mad about spoilers. <laughs> right. Um, when, when Bram reveals himself to be Blue, uh, Simon's like, I don't know why... I expected uh, blue to be white. I mean, that it, like, why is white the default? And I think blue gives a, a hint to that um, in that same passage where he talks about straight kids having to come out. Um, he says it. Uh, he says that it's definitely annoying that straight and white, for that matter, is the default. And the only people who have to think about their identity are the ones who don't fit that mold. 
Yeah, it's like they and I she think even that's put like, it in to like be like, yeah, he totally told you and gave you the opportunity to not feel like it's the default in your thinking, and you still did it. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's where I'm like, ha ha ha, because I went back and I read it again pretty much immediately after I finished it the first time, because like especially when books have that kind of big reveal near the end, I like to go back to the beginning and like look for clues. Exactly. To that point to it, and I, like, sit there and I laugh at it, like, ha, 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 I see what you did there. Yeah, good stories know exactly how to do that, whereas people will always praise The Sixth Sense for that big reveal at the end, but then if you rewatch it with that in mind, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> M. So Night Shyamalama Ding Dong. Yeah, oh, yeah. so uh, if, you, if you knew, if you, if you figured it out, which I did, when did you figure it out? Right away. <laughs> the the first time that, that he mentions Bram and it's like, oh, he's he's like kinda cute, but he's he's like blushing over being handed like a pen. It's like, I think that's blue, because it's definitely not gonna be cool guy Cal. Yeah, it was like the the scene where they're in the English class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Bram was on my list of possibles. I think both Bram and the uh, other soccer guy, Garrett, is that his name? Mm -hmm. I think so. Were on my list of possibles because, like, I knew it wasn't going to be Cal because Simon had, had, uh, theater kind of lit on it so early. Right. It kind of shifts yeah, them, though. To, to kind of go into <laughs> the adaptation process, uh, because I watched the movie first before reading the book, and the first. I will say this, the book is way more honest. They're in Georgia, so there are a lot more people going to antagonize Simon for being mm -hmm. openly gay. Absolutely. Whereas in the movie, it is like a literal utopia where there's only like one real bully. And like the principal played by um, Buster uh, from Arrested Development, Tony <laughs> Hale, is like this really sweet and understanding thing it's this character who, like, as soon as over the break, he even he is aware that Simon got outed, and he come and and he stand, he's literally standing there as Simon walks into school with a f rainbow flag pin on his suit, and he's there to like offer a hug of support. So it's just like all of the actual concerns. Uh, deal, deal, and I kind of felt that at the way, but I felt it was more aspirational. Like here is a nice utopic world for you know, people, LGBT people to be welcomed into, and there's only there's not any real issues overall. Whereas the book is way more honest about that. They're, the kids in that school are just as big a dicks as they are anywhere else, and the movie decides to be much more happy-go-lucky and, like, bucolic and whatnot, and I think it kind of misses the point, ultimately. Ooh. I read a lot of reviews about the movie because I couldn't find it to watch it before today. Um, but I read reviews and it's like, you could tell when, like, th there was a lot of queer praise for the movie, but there was also a lot of, well, that was entirely unrealistic. Exactly. It's, that's why I, I paired it off in my end of the year list for favorite movies with, um, uh, what was it? Um, oh, the one where the... Lucas Hedges and Russell is the kid who gets sent to a conversion thing with Nicole Kidman as his mom. Um, mm. uh, whatever it was, uh, 
now it's going to bug me. Lucas Hedges. Because he was in two movies that year. One was where he was, his dad directed it. His dad being the director of About a Boy. Uh, he was Ben is, ben is Back, which is about the opioid crisis. Um, Boy Erased was the one I'm thinking of. And it was based on a true story about um, Gerard Conley, who wrote this uh, memoir about being sent to a gay conversion camp. Uh, and Joel Edgerton directed it and starred as the priest who ran the thing. And it's just all of the torment of these that these gay kids go through being sent to these sorts of things because they're wrong and they're going to hell and they're and and um uh the dad is played by uh russell crowe and he's a pastor so he's doing it mainly to save face too and it's just like i paired it off with love simon love simon being the aspirational this is what we're this is what we want versus boy erased which is what we're dealing with now yeah. yeah, I think, and, I think uh, movies sometimes, they can, like, books are always, they feel more honest to me. I feel like a movie, they either have to pick one extreme, because people either, like, they're entertained, unfortunately, by people <laughs> going through torturous situations, or they're, like, tantalized by the idea of a utopia, where it's an escapism type of situation. And I, and I don't know. I, f- I feel like the movie might have been also trying to specifically pander to, like, people who are teachers. Like, these are the ways you should be behaving. So it's teaching mm. different lessons to different people. And with the movie probably going to... Uh, I, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but they're probably trying to make it more entertaining for a straight audience who might not understand the feelings Mm -hmm. like the book you can explore that inner monologue but you can't have that as in as a detailed way to kind of get it Mm -hmm. so i think they have to kind of show hey this is maybe how you should be acting and if you're not acting this way then guess what you're you're doing it wrong it made a lot more sense when I learned that the director was actually the showrunner for basically the entirety of the CW superhero universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so like, this is a guy who mainly caters towards young adult audiences, give, not giving a lot of deep storytelling for the most part, but being a lot of escapism. That made a lot more sense watching this movie and uh, thinking about this movie again. Also, the fact that what high school would do cabaret as their school musical. Right. <laughs> like, the only, there's only, like, one place I know, uh, and that's at, at, around here in Ohio, which is slightly more progressive than Georgia, but only slightly, depending on where you are. There's only one high school I can think of nearby here in Akron, and it's basically, for all intents and purposes, an arts school that just happens to also be a public high school. But they their district allows for much... They, they, that high school is also where I first saw Urintown performed. And uh, they also went on to do Sweeney Todd. So the guy in charge of their theater department has a lot of leeway. But even... I don't think he would do cabaret as their school musical. <laughs> like, what high school would be allowed to do cabaret as their school musical? Like, Oliver made a lot more sense... But, like, mm-hmm. also, what kids know about the musical cabaret? Like, was it just so that everybody could be much more flamboyant? Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, Rainbow capitalism at its finest. Yeah! Anyway, um, 
so yeah, uh, they also limited a lot of the characters. Like, Nick doesn't have a whole lot of soccer friends. It's mainly just Abby, Nick, Leah, and Simon. And then eventually, uh, I think Bram, but I, I forget what it was. I forget how they played it off in the movie, but there's just a, like, there's less teen characters and they expand more of the teacher, teaching cast. Um, like I mentioned, they added, uh, Tony Hale is the principal who's this dorky trying to be the best friend kind of guy. But that, and then is also, that also, it also, like, it, it in true straight idealized allyship, he's just literally standing there waiting for Simon to come in the door so he can hug him. Like, okay, way to draw attention to the kid. Exactly. Like, I am literally just going to stand here, wait for Simon. <laughs> how, long, how long do you think he was standing there? <laughs> like, it, like the movie is a lot dumber when you rewatch it. I'm assuming, no, with that in mind. But I don't know. I think when I first saw it, it was just I just liked the ideal idealization of it all. It's just like that's nice. That's nice to work towards. We're nowhere near there. That's not real at all. That's Ooh. eventually, hopefully. <laughs> but yeah. um... I did admire. That's why I admire the book a lot more for its realism, and for its honesty. Um, it makes me want to read uh, Leah on the offbeat now, because well, like, see how like, is she gonna keep it going in an LGBT type direction, or like, is Leah secretly gay too, <laughs> or what, or is she bi, or is she? Something else, one of the other um, subsets of the community, or or is it not going to be about that at all? Is it just going to be about being teen, being a teenager sucks. Being a weeb, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was I was a Leah, but a cheerier Leah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that's my other thing too. Is that I was not particularly big on Leah's conflict. Right. In the book, because it felt like um, very, very like overly dramatic high school. I mean, catty the, the movie made it dumber too, where basically like everyone abandoned Simon because he lied, and not ignoring the fact that he was literally being blackmailed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, how could you lie to us? Oh, gee, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the fact that I was being blackmailed by this guy. Hello, I mean, why, I are you not, why are you not pissed at him? Right? Yeah. <laughs> like Leah doesn't even like her conflict. Like she says it multiple times. Like this is your thing. It's not my thing. Like I know better, but I can't help but feel this way about it. And I, I get it. Like sometimes you just you can't help it. Like. I'm your best friend. Why didn't you tell me? Like, it, it's, I don't know. It's a thing, especially when you're dealing with issues of, like, jealousy because she and Abby don't get along. And it's easy. Um, you know, she's a little bit more of a weirdo, a little bit more of an outcast. And it's so easy when someone's more, a, more of a conventional, popular person to just assume that, they're taking over. I don't know. I really, I enjoyed Leah's plight. <laughs> it's very relatable. Yes. It is It um, is a little more difficult for me to get into, like, that regard. Um, just because I'm, I'm an adult now, and I'm, I just can't understand in my mind, why won't you just talk to each other? <laughs> talk to each other. Please. But then all of young yeah. adult <laughs> literature and storytelling wouldn't happen. I know. Because... 
90% yeah, I... of young adult <laughs> literature is a breakdown of communication. Mm-hmm. And just refusing drama. to actually... Well, I can't talk to them! Like, if they... if I, would, I don't know how often they do it now, but if it was literally just... Look, I just... I don't want to talk to them, because that would be, like, awkward and shit, and just... Life's <laughs> awkward, pal. <laughs> exactly, and it would just be like acknowledging the fact that social communication is sometimes hard, and I don't want to do it right now, because that takes a lot of energy <laughs> to just deal with... Sit there in silence with the fact that we have to have this conversation. Yeah, it's, it's okay to it's talk to each other. Thing. It's okay to, to address your emotions. It's okay, guys. It's a difficult place uh, to get back to, but I thought mm-hmm. that um, Becky Albertalli, I think she did a really good job just hitting the developmental stages of all of the characters, like where they're at, where their mental state is. Like there were things I was taught in college in my education classes that I'm like, yeah, that's exactly that. <laughs> like there's that part of um, development where you feel like you're the protagonist in a movie. Like there's a there's a phenomenon like that that's like you don't process everyone around you as also being like that. You think that you're the protagonist, and like every single character, I could see that in them. Like they're I, all just trying to figure out their own shit and be good to other people because that's what you should do. But at the same time, like all their own shit is way more important. And yeah, <laughs> I just thought it was really good. And I think that's where her background in psychology really uh, sets her up for success in the genre of young adult fiction. Mm-hmm. Because she she's, you know, she's able to portray those, um, those tropes and whatnot, but I think she's able to do it in a way that doesn't sound like, I know about this because I'm... And I'm educated blah, 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 mm-hmm. without coming off as like high and mighty and yes. superior about sure. it. Mm-hmm. I I really I really really enjoyed this. Yeah, these, oh, yeah. these are like fun. authentic yeah. teenagers. And... Yeah. Um, do you th- how? I think my thing was also that I think I should have ended with. The, that's the thing where the movie does, where basically it essentially ends with Bram and Simon hooking up at the fair. And then, like, there's just one extra scene of uh, Bram being included with Simon and his gang of friends. And it's just, like, that's where it ends. Here, I felt like it went on a bit too long to be like, oh, hey, by the way, Leah and Nora are in a band now. And it's just like, sure. okay. Sure, not why not? That, we, we, that was relevant information, I guess. And then just... I think it should have ended with either, like, without needing, we, like, we didn't need that at all, unless, uh, but, uh, but it sounds like that's exact, essentially, like, sequel bait for. Like, yeah, I, it, I think it, it sounds like it was exactly, like, setting up for uh, the book about Leah. Um, Do they happen concurrently, do you know? No idea. That just came out, like, last year. Okay. Because that's my feeling, is that we're going to find out the adventures of Leo. What Leo was doing while Simon was doing all that stuff. Yeah. We'll see. Um, you know, it, I think it'd be fun to, like, have a, a cycle of just, like, um, sequels. Oh, yeah. We definitely should do one of the theme cycles being sequels to stuff we've already read. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, like we've got the Earthsea stuff. We've got um, um, we've got this. We've the got Hunger Games. the Hunger Games. Mm, right. So I mean, there's definitely enough fodder for it. So, all right. So I think we've probably rambled on yeah. enough. He's he's good. He's good queer fiction. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So can you pull up the oh right script just so I can. There we go. Uh, okay, discussion next episode. Okay. Oh, no, this is the part where we do our... Oh, yeah, we got to do our whether we liked it or not. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that part. Yeah, that Editing part. time. The verdicts. Woo-woo. The All verdict. All right. Do we have a unanimous verdict this time? I think so. Let's Ooh, find let's out. Let's find oh, out. I mean... All right, I'll kick us I... off. Because the huh? order... I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Uh, so yeah, I really, really liked it. Um, it was. An, I did the audio book of it, and it was expertly narrated by someone who actually sounded like a teen. Uh, <laughs> I forget his name. Like uh, something Crouch. I forget his first name. Matt. Maybe. Oh, I should look it up. Um, anyway, it it was really narrated well. The only irritating thing about it was that you had to listen to all the email timestamps. <laughs> <laughs> being read out loud were, it was just a little frustrating but fine um, yeah it was really good uh, it put me back into high school and I've been struggling with that lately like um, especially in anime watching uh, watching media with teens in it I've been feeling a disconnect like I'm feeling like I'm finally getting just a little bit too old for some things but this felt good like this felt like yeah this was high school it just has just enough of the sweet nostalgia that I crave of the good times and maybe kind of reminds you that yeah there was shit times as well but you know what there was some good stuff in there too that was just essentially part of being a teen um I've also been dealing with some just personal identity stuff with like um, sexual identity lately, and a lot of this was hitting nails on the head for me too. So it was it was just a nice read to kind of know that hey, everyone's got some shit going on, and uh, yeah, I don't know, I liked it. It was good. Would you recommend it? Oh yeah, definitely recommend it. Um, and would I read it again? Well, I ended up buying the audiobook, so I have it now. Um, so maybe, maybe someday. Um, I think I could see myself getting a hoot out of this if I read it in like 10 more years when technology has changed again a lot. <laughs> it might be nostalgic in a different way. So I could see myself rereading it. It's, it's a nice, easy read. It's, um, it's, it's quick. So... Yeah, I'd probably read it again. Yay, we got Melody's approval. Yay! <laughs> that does not happen often. <laughs> um, All right, yeah. Max? Yeah, I, I agree definitely with a lot of what Melody said. Like, high school, I think at this point, it's almost 10 years has passed since I graduated, so that's, that's kind of a long time. And looking back on it now and realizing, hey, that those identity struggles, they don't go away when you graduate. They, they just keep going until eventually you figure out, okay, it's, it's all right to be who I am and I don't have to necessarily be anxious about it. And, you know, God bless dear Simon, you know, 
he 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 got he had had the guts to to finally own up to who he was and and uh, I think that's an important representation for for the queer youth of today because they get enough shit as it is. Um, so I definitely recommend it in that regard. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna read it again anytime soon. Um, yeah, maybe. I'll, I'll, uh, if, um, if anyone else I know is, is looking for a good piece of queer fiction, I'll probably be like, hey, there's this great book I read once, I'll probably read it again, and then recommend it to you. Sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. It was, like, if, um, by the time I was done and I would, like, flip through uh, the, the book on my phone, it would be like just a flash of yellow every few pages just because I highlighted so many passages. And I normally only highlight a passage in a book if it really strikes a chord with me. Um, and like I said, there's only been a handful of books that I felt moved to purchase a hard copy of and this has been one of them. Um, and, you know, being uh, openly queer in my workspace and in my everyday life, um, you know, it, it's comforting to kind of have a piece of literature like that resonates with that kind of coming out feeling, that kind of... Uh, 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 fear of the unknown, fear of how people are going to react, but also the need to own your story, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that this, this book really kind of was like very refreshing to me in that because it, it, yeah, it, it showed, you know, you're not alone and, uh, that there's no one correct way to go about living your identity. Um, I would definitely recommend it to uh, anybody. Probably like I, you know, I might recommend it to like say my younger brother, uh, who is almost seventeen at this point. God, that's really weird to say. <laughs> um. <laughs> um and like even he being as far as i know straight and cis you know it 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 would not at all hurt for him to have some perspective yeah. on what some of his queer classmates might be going through mhm um i might recommend it to my mom because god knows she could get the stick uh no no not enough said um, so yeah, I recommend it to, to anyone who wants to know more about what it's like to, uh, be queer and come out, um, anybody who needs that kind of feeling of, okay, there's other people that have gone through this, I'm not alone, it, it's kind of a, a, a multi-faceted, uh, 
Um, and I've already read it twice, and I've bought the book, so I'll probably read it again at some point. So yeah, all around, pretty pretty solid win on my on my part and my end. That's four green arrows for four. Hooray! I absolutely would recommend this. Um, I I think the book is way better than the movie, honestly. Uh, having read the book, I've actually the movie's kind of like eh, the book. The movie feels a lot more like cotton candy fluff compared to the book, which is much more of a heartier meal. And uh, I definitely recommend the book to anybody, uh, especially for people looking for really solid queer literature. Uh, as being like, I think the one um, not you know not, not non-member of the LGBT community. Uh, on the podcast because um, Melody is you know not straight uh, have, have you come out as bi or uh, I mean I've never like officially like said a thing but I put it on my Facebook profile pictures <laughs> I said like one so, Facebook yeah. status but, but yeah by romantic uh, gray ace is where I put Woo. myself right now Sweet. okay um, yeah but I'm essentially the quote unquote default uh, that society seems to care so much about, yeah, and not entirely, as neurotypical is generally default too. True, mm. but um, in terms of sexuality, um, but I, I, but even then, I like I love hearing different stories, especially things that have no like. I love hearing other people's experiences because that kind of dic- kind of helps me to understand them, and that's why I love this book so much. I think my issue mainly is that um, it's someone that I would like continually go back to, so it's not, I'm probably not going to read it again for a couple of years or so. Give it some time, and then it's like, oh yeah, I like that book, and then go back to it again, see how I feel. But um, I definitely because like there's still I think the problems with it are more from a teenage aspect, like. I'm getting too old for some of the shit that goes on in there. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know what? I, I'm getting, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good. So, uh, old man Bailey's going to go off and, uh, not deal with that shit right now. Binky Mandy. Uh, Binky you damn kids. Um, <laughs> uh, but I definitely would absolutely recommend people go read this. It is an excellently written book and it's a, it, you know, obviously more representation, in media is what's needed, and I definitely want to highlight good stuff where it, where we find it. Mm-hmm. For sure. So before we end things, uh, we got to preview the next one, which is my pick, and we're probably not going to go too diametrically opposite, but definitely in a different different uh, area altogether. Like we're we're going from young adult queer coming of age to full on. Existential Just, nightmare. <laughs> exactly, because we're covering Franz Kafka's *The Metamorphosis*. <laughs> and for those who aren't aware, um, this has been referenced a lot um, in different stuff. Uh, I remember there's a rapper on YouTube who actually wrapped out the plot to *The Metamorphosis*, <laughs> and it's it's a really cool video because it's like done in this like 2D style cut, paper cutout thing. Um, I forget what it's called, but yeah, just look up Metamorphosis Rap on YouTube and you can probably find it. And it's, yeah, it's best known for being this weird avant-garde sort of storyline of a guy just literally wakes up as a cockroach or some kind of bug and 
his life just spirals in, out of control into utter despair. Yay! And that's the beginning of the spiral? That's, that's How essential. is that not, like, the end point? Like, yeah, cockroaches we'll don't live long. Probably just get squooshed. Well, I think that's the other thing, is that I, I, I never quite figured out if he was, like, a human-sized bug or a, a bug-sized bug. We'll have to talk about it. We'll have a lot to talk about next episode. Oh boy! <laughs> it's a th- next one's gonna be like with Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Man. It's gonna be a thinky. All right, I'll it's start. Early. I love episode. to think. Yay! It's a thinky episode. So, with that, looking forward to. Okay. Woo! <laughs> uh, what social media outlets are we on now? I can never keep track. We're, um, we're on Facebook and Tumblr. Are we still on Instagram? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, I gave Melody the a- access to all of the social medias so that uh, she can handle uh, that aspect of it because I'm not very good at it. And, um, yeah, Facebook at um, uh, Living in the Stacks, Facebook.com slash Living in the Stacks, Twitter at In the Stacks Cast, Instagram at Living in the Stacks, and Tumblr, uh, Living in the Stacks Podcast.tumblr.com. And um, Tumblr is the one where we're least active. Um, probably Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are going to be our most active ones. And then, um, uh, we're all, you know, a few of your own suggestions for theme cycles for us to cover or books that you would love to hear us discuss. Send all that to living in the sex pot, uh, living in the stacks cast at gmail.com. And then your, share your own thoughts on the books we've read, uh, your own thoughts on, um, Simon versus the Homo Sapiens agenda. You know, we'd love to hear your um, uh, your view on uh, what we talked about. You can also um, we'd also like to thank uh, Magdalene Rose for our uh, artwork. We freaking love it. It's awesome. Um, you can find her at the Magdalene Rose on Twitter or Super Princess Tea Party on YouTube. We'd also like to thank Dream States for our theme music. You can check them out on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and anywhere else music is streamed. At this point, they've had several albums out. I can't even remember what the last uh, one Yeah, is. parts one and two uh, are out, have been out for like a year or so now. Uh, Lady two. Um, they have a whole cover album out, and the most recent one, Sad, Bad, Happy, Good, I believe, uh, just came out uh, at the end of last year. And uh, I think they're already working on another one. <laughs> Oh god, they those, just never those, stop. Yeah, those girls are are. Whew. They just the, the, it never ends. <laughs> never ends. But yeah, so check out all their stuff, and then um. And Dex is not on social media outside of personal stuff, and that is a very smart decision. <laughs> you can find I, me. I admire your fortitude. <laughs> find me on Twitter at at. Minikui's at M-I-N-I-K-U-I. And I'm just going to put this out here. I'm a really heavy player of Final Fantasy XIV, and I love playing this game with people. I'm on the Crystal server on the name Tali Fala on Coral. So, you know, if you want to play games with me, let me know. <laughs> cool. Uh, Not a project, me, but something Follow me on Twitter fun. if you like wrestling at Maxolotl67. Boop, boop. I totally got John Oliver vibes. Just like um, Melody's talking about all this, uh, all, all this great stuff she's she loves, and it just Max is just like cool. 
<laughs> like, you know what? I don't have any projects happening, but I want to tell you a cool thing you can see me do, which is play a game. Yeah, I don't stream or anything, but join in the fun. Me. It's Why fun. Not? Uh, I've got, right now, the only thing I've got really going on that's available for edification is Popcorn Junkie. The the day this comes out, this is going to be coming out hopefully uh, the 15th for July. And I'll be covering Crawl, uh, the uh, Sam Raimi-produced horror movie oh, where boy. it's alligators in a hurricane. It's it's not very good, surprisingly. <laughs> and then uh, Stuber, which was um, Camille Nanjiani and Dave Bautista. I did hear a few good things about that. It's 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 not bad. It it suffers a lot from a lot of issues of like movies being made cheaply and yeah. improv reliant comedy. But like Dave Bautista and Camille Nanjiani are funny, mm-hmm. and they work good together, so they're good. Um, Who doesn't love Bautista? And then I'm also, yeah, Bautista is good. I love his shade at the final uh, Fast and Furious franchise. Why would I want to be in a movie, those movies, when I could be in a good movie? <laughs> Aww. Aww. Um, but, uh, and then I'm also going to be covering uh, season nine of My Little Pony to this to this point. Um, so that's going to be the final season. And uh, so, yeah, that's going to be on the new episode of Popcorn Junkie. And then the one after that is going to be the infamous live action, quote unquote, Lion King. I'm yeah. so anxious about that, man. Like, I want still, it to be good. so bad. Literally all CGI. Yeah, uh, photorealistic CGI Lion King. Um, I have, I am cautiously optimistic in so much as John Favreau did a really good job with The Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. He made a movie that I really liked. And I like that they focused on an all-black cast for the Lions and the only, like, real white uh, actors in it are John Oliver as right. Zazu, uh, and Seth, Seth uh, Billy, Rogan, I- yeah. Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen are yeah. Timon and Pumbaa, and then like Keegan Mike and Key and um, oh god, what's her name that plays Okoye in uh, Black Panther is one of they're two of the hyenas, mm. and uh, so me and then Chiwetel Ejiofor is Scar, and it they be, brought back James Earl Jones, Donald Glover as Simba, Woo! is. It, it's 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 probably going to rely uh, heavily on nostalgia like Aladdin did, and then just never do anything new. But given John Favreau is a really competent filmmaker, unlike um, unlike why well, can't I remember his name? He did um, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. He did those uh, um, Sherlock Holmes movies with R- Guy Robert Downey Jr. Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Yeah. He is the one who directed Aladdin, and it doesn't feel anything like a Guy Ritchie right, movie. He was right. basically a director for hire. Anyway, um, that's all stuff on Popcorn Junkie. Uh, and then check out all of our other stuff on Gumby Cat Networks. And if you yourself are a podcaster and would like to join our networks, send any inquiries to gumbycatnetworks at gmail.com, and we'll get back to you and see if you're a good fit. Woo! Alright. Um, if that's that's everything then until next time you'll find us living in the stacks bye Bye. see y'all